Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession, business exit planning, legal technology, law practice management, leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Ann Collier. Ann did a previous episode with me where we discussed leadership and how to upgrade your operating system and a particular tool that she likes. Today, we're going to talk a little bit further about how that impacts culture and organizations. Anne's a lawyer. She has a master in public policy. She's a professional certified coach and the CEO of a firm, Arudia, which is dedicated to improving culture, collaboration, and communication. I can speak to her coaching skills I've never known if we just really connected because she was a tax lawyer in her former life, and that's what I do. But actually, she's worked with quite a few of our lawyers and law firm, and we did a fun marshmallow leadership exercise. Do you remember that? And so everybody who knows me knows that I have this thing for marshmallows. So when (laughs) Ann visited our firm, and we're doing this leadership exercise, and the marshmallows came out, I'm like, okay, I'm all over this. And it was quite a bit of fun. But anyway, so today we're going to talk a little bit further about how leadership or a little bit more about the leadership tool that you like to use, and then really talk about how leadership impacts culture, a really important issue. So thanks for coming back today, Anne. 
It's my pleasure. Thank you. So let's just kind of back up to what we talked a little bit about in our last episode, and that is your preferred leadership tool. And there's a bunch of them out there, but you have one that you've been using recently that seems pretty effective. Yeah, yeah. That's the actualized leader profile developed by Dr. William Sparks. And I think you indicated that there's a free version that listeners could take online if they want to at alpfree.com slash Arudia. Is that correct? Yep. yep. Alpfree.com slash Arudia. And this particular profile divides leaders into three categories. Can you run through those categories? Uh, Sure. And actually, there are three categories and they're motive drivers. Um, The categories are affiliation, uh, power, and achievement. But what I find most useful about this is that we're not really divided into those three categories, but we all have elements or varying um, uh, differing strengths in each of those drives. So I, for example, am a strong affirmer, meaning that it's really important to me to connect with people, to serve clients. And I am mild on both the asserter and the uh, achiever drive. and I'm that, strong on asserter, right? And so what does that say about me? You like getting things done, but you're also very strong. <laughs> I've known you for years, so I could have told you that. I knew that. You did tell you me did that it. before I actually took the profile. I was going to prove you wrong when I took the profile, right? But I I got, so, I was definitely an asserter. But you were going to say I also have. You're a, also a pretty strong affirmer. So um one, one of the reasons that I've hired you for, for my parents, um, you know, for my business is because you really care about driving results for people. Like I can just look at your profile and I know that. Um, and when we, I know we'll loop back to this, but I also want to make sure that everybody's clear whenever they take an assessment to, to understand what it measures. So like DISC measures behavior, this measures motive drive. So it answers, why do you do what you do? So for example, you and I are not achievers. And yet both in our practice of law and in everything else in our lives, we pay attention to winning through technical expertise. We do, we, we strive to do things the right way. It might not be the innate drive or the why. Why we do it is actually because we want to serve our clients and get results for our clients. When when we first looked at this profile and I wanted to be an achiever rather than an asserter, I was like, I like that. I like the achiever better, but I didn't understand what you just explained in terms of the tools. And I think that's a really important point when you're looking at any particular tool to understand. So some of them have these four quadrants. Well, what does that mean? Some of them have these circles with all these places that you are in the circles. What does it mean if you're in and out of the circle? What does it mean your natural style versus your adaptive style? All those things. So that's why working with somebody who really understands the particular tool. So I don't look at that and say, oh, I'm an asserter. That's awful. You know, and really understand what that means, that it's a motive driver. The other thing that ultimately attracted me to this particular leadership tool was that I was sitting there and you were getting ready to do a presentation. I was reviewing your slides as looking at the asserter. And I think at the moment I was in a tough spot in my life. So I was in what you referred to as the shadow size. And this is like why I really don't like this profile because that like looks like me right now. And <laughs> so I was really sort of almost upset about that. But then what you pointed out to me was, well, this is the shadow side. And then there's a self-actualized side, self-actualized side, and this is how you get from one to the other. 
So can you speak to a little bit the difference between the self-actualized place of being and the shadow place? Sure, sure. So the when we're in the self-actualized place, we're rational, we're seeing things clearly and objectively. So for your um, primary leadership style, you're confident, decisive, competitive, candid, courageous, I would also say in that, you know, strategic, I, I actually love working with asserters, people with a stronger, intense drive to get things done because they think strategy, they think steps, they're visionary, um, but they, they're also very decisive. They can make the hard calls or the hard decisions. Um, the shadow side of that is driven by fear. And it's when we're irrational. So if you ever think of a time when you're not yourself or you're not your best self, um, may, and we've all, and I, when I'm doing a workshop, I always ask people like, all right, how many of you have ever been impatient? And everybody laughs or raises their hand. And that's when we're in our shadow side uh, and the shadow that accompanies that asserter drive of power. Um, it's fear that things won't get done. So think about it. You're standing in line at the DMV and you've got a meeting to get to, and you start getting impatient, which by the way, is its own punishment to boot. But it, it's because you're, we're chafing against this idea that we have no control and we're worried about the result. That is sort of classic, what it feels like to be in the asserter shadow fear of betrayal. So when I say fear of betrayal, it's the fear that things won't get done. We're gonna be undermined. Somebody, something not trustworthy is happening that sort of thing, but it's, it's feeling vulnerable. So when one is feeling really vulnerable, that shadow can come out. And we're going to do a separate episode because when we were talking about this, you know, I asked you a question about, well, what about the days I'm just in that shadow side in a bad place? Should I just stay home? And I, and you actually, that was not your response at all. It was a very solution oriented approach. But the point of that statement is that what you kind of taught me is you can actually shift from your shadow side, even if you're not in a great place that day, something really bad happened in your life or whatever the case might be. When you walk in, it's very important that you walk in as a leader because that impacts today's topic, which is the culture of an organization. So can we start by just taking, we're going to take this tool and talk about culture and two things I want to kind of ask, which are a little unrelated, but the first is, Any of these styles, affirmer, asserter, achiever, can be a great leader. Is that correct? Of course. Of course. And and we're all a combination, but any combination can be a great leader. And so when we talk about the impact of leadership on culture, let's talk about first, what does culture mean? Culture is the underlying personality and collective emotionality on a team or in an organization. It's also about how we do things. So um, are we straight with people? Do we address issues as they come up? Or is this a drama-free environment? Is there a lot of gossip, which is not a good sign for a culture? Um, is there yelling in meetings? Um, I mean, if, if you remember, you know, kind of the old days when people were yellers at law firms, you know, or could be, um, or in any organization, you know, that's all part of the culture. Is that accepted or not accepted? And cultural fit, so the leadership impact on culture is really important, but working in a good culture or a culture that's a good fit for you. So we're going to just talk in a minute about what does a great culture look like, but there can be different answers to that question in terms of 
the great culture for me might be different from the great culture for Sherry or for you. But in general, if we say, hey, this organization has a great culture, what does that look like? Is this sort of that we have a leader who has, is actualized, functions there, and has created an environment people come, like coming to work? Or how could you describe that? Sure. Um, it's a leader who is very self-actualized. Um, the leader is um, all the things that I just said about being a, an asserter, you know, confident, decisive, competitive, candid, courageous. They're friendly, generous, loyal, empathetic, helpful. They are thorough, serious, thoughtful about problems, optimistic, resilient. I mean, I, I've got like a whole list of adjectives, really, which are the kind of the composite of those three leadership styles. But the point really is, is that that leader is not in his, her, or their shadow very often. Because the shadow side is when we have those behaviors that that we're not proud of, that we don't like. It's kind of, the, it's the side of us that, um, you know, that we're a little bit uncomfortable with. So and- a leader can be motivated or any combination of this affirmed asserter and achiever. And if that leader is able to function on the self-actualized structure as opposed to their shadow side. Right. I really identify with that shadow side. I think one of the best books I ever read was Confronting Your Shadow. It was something about confronting your shadow side. I think you actually referred me to the book. But so is that leader who's living in the shadow side creating the bad or toxic culture? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think about think about a leader who um is so wants to be everybody's friend. And and it's it's sort of not so obvious as that, you know, a little more subtle than that, but let's just take an extreme. Um that leader doesn't address big problems. Um he doesn't have the hard conversations meaning uh addressing poor performance, figuring out if there's a systemic problem, you know, because if you don't start ad- if you don't address problems, you can't figure out what's wrong and then you can't fix it. Um not decisive. I mean, one of the complaints I hear a lot um as people are stressed through the pandemic is, you know, we don't get any decisions. We have the same meeting over and over again, but there are no decisions. So um, that's a sign of being in the affirmer shadow fear of rejection, meaning that uh, I'm a, I, I don't want to do anything that might harm a relationship. So a little bit of I'll do nothing. That's that indecision. Um, it's feeling sensitive, um, maybe even a little sensitive, insecure, maybe even a little bit jealous of relationships. So think about having a leader that's in that shadow quite a bit. And, and you've got a culture or an organization or a team that is struggles to have direction and get things done. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. At Foster Group, we know there are more important things than money. There's the joy of providing a lovely home for your family, the excitement of an early retirement, the relief knowing that an unexpected emergency won't ruin your finances. At Foster Group, we're invested in the things that make life life and how to get there foster group your financial life truly cared for connect with us at fostergrp.com foster group's written disclosure brochure as set forth in part 2a of form adv discusses advisory services and fees is available at www.fostergrp.com okay let's continue our episode so let's talk about how you can 
evaluate culture. And I'm just going to give an example where we had somebody come in one time and evaluate our culture. And, you know, we thought it was pretty positive and it wasn't, it, it, most of the stuff came through fairly positive, but the thing that was really interesting in that particular survey is that there was a disconnect between the way our owners saw things and it, and the way that everybody else thought, thought that we saw them is what the disconnect was. And I remember mm-hmm. that when we got that information, we're like, what? We think we're really clear about this and that we really are you know, stating these goals, stating these objectives, things like that. And they all think we're co- totally coming from somewhere else. And that, so that was really enlightening. And one of them was that I expected everybody to do, you know, to be perfect or that we expected everybody to be perfect. And we're like, well, I am a perfectionist and that's important in the profession, but what we're really seeking is excellence, not this concept of mistake-free perfection. So there's various cultures and team surveys that help organizations identify those disconnects. Is there one that you like the most on that issue, Anne? I love the group culture profile, which builds on the actualized leader profile. And I just want to go back to something you said, and I wish I could remember off the top of my head who said this, but the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's happened. Yeah, no, I like that, right? So you think you're communicating, but it was in your head. It's sort of like, oh, I thought I sent that email, but I never did, right? right? right. I thought right. I walked down and said thank you to somebody, but I, you know, I thought about doing it, but it didn't actually happen. And, you know, whatever that, and, and that's something that we've learned. So we started, you know, doing some things differently in terms of meetings and meeting agendas. As you were talking about the meetings, the same meeting over and over, I was thinking, oh, I hope we're not doing that either. <laughs> we should probably do another culture sor- sor- survey. But let's say that that example, so that I use where we found that communication wasn't happening, say we're open to resolving that. What is the strategy? Does the survey help us figure out how we resolve that disconnect? Sure. Yeah. And and um, we always, uh, whenever we do one of these surveys, it cuts through so much because he, here's the thing is you take the group culture profile, which file, which builds on the actualized leader profile. So incorporated into the theoretical framework is this idea of shadows. So what it measures is how much do the shadows show up in the culture and how much does self-actualization show up? So we can measure on a scale of mild to intense how much the affirmer shadow shows up. We can measure how detached the culture is. We can measure how much of that assertor shadow shows up where there's impatience, lack of gratitude, seeming lack of gratitude, that sort of thing. Um, So this profile will give you feedback on those things that are really hard to um, really hard to nail down. You know, so for example, I've reviewed a lot of culture surveys that are, you know, they take 40 minutes to take and they tell you, is there a lot of gossip? What's going on in the organization? You know, that sort of thing. Um, What I love about the group culture profile, in addition to the fact that it only takes five minutes is it gives you a snapshot of the personality and then it gives you uh, the organization or the team's uh, score on the five dimensions of team performance, which are communication, conflict management, participation, trust, which is critical, and engagement. And and then when I'm debriefing it with a team, I ask them, you know, is this accurate? You know, they've already they already understand the shadow and the implications, and that gets them talking. So, looping back to your question to me, 
you know, how do you deal with an issue where there's a miscommunication is the first thing you have to do is, is sort of measure it or identify it and, and get people talking about it. Because if they're in that a firmer shadow, oh, I don't want to say something to Mary because it might hurt her feelings. And, you know, and I really like Mary and she's a great boss, but, you know, I, I wish this one thing were different. You got to get past that. That's that a firmer shadow fear of rejection and and doing a profile like this you once you see it in black and white that then you can talk about it can the leader alone so we're talking about the impact of leadership so let's say that that's actual a situation so you have a leader and somebody in the organization wants to tell that leader something that would really change the relationship and the way they felt about coming to work but is afraid to is that something that the leader, by looking in the mirrors we've talked about and seeing their own style, could kind of pick that up? If the leader's really self-aware, um, I, you know, there have been many times, not, or maybe not many times, well, I'll ask a member of my team, like, hey, is everything okay? Or, um, and, and here's the funny thing is, most of the time it has nothing to do with me, but I I'll even say, Hey, have I been grumpy? Was I grumpy yesterday? Because I was, because <laughs> I was pretty pressed trying to get a lot of things done. If the leader can, if the leader is really that open, it likely won't be as hard for the, for the, the colleague to say something to the leader. Um, a big part of what we do is we teach people how to have these as we describe them, you know, hard conversations and actually really transform the thinking about, in air quotes, hard conversations to, all right, here's an opportunity to come up with something that's even better. So there's this notion of uh, like appreciative coaching, which is putting things in a framework about making it positive. It might be a little bit like, you know, Mary, you know what would really, I think, make make our team gel a little bit more? What do you think about trying this? Um, that can be a soft and that can feel like a safer way for somebody to raise a concern. Um, I, you know, I, I coach, I often will coach numerous people at the same organizations. And um, what's the most interesting to me is I'll know the most senior people. I'll know the CEO. They're great people. They're totally open to feedback. And yet there's always a little bit of, almost always a little bit of distrust or fear of being vulnerable at the lower levels. And that's what doing something like the group culture profile can kind of surface is get the team to gel where there's a lot more safety because we've already talked about whatever it is that's that's the hard thing to talk about or that interferes with our culture, our performance, our well-being, that sort of thing. So let's say you do one of these cultural surveys and the survey indicates that this is really a pretty toxic culture. And we look to the leadership and where the leaders are functioning and say, wow, they've all had a tough time through the pandemic and they're really functioning from the shadow side. Can this culture change other yes. than by the leaders actively engaging and shifting to self-actualization? It can, it can become less so, but the leadership's shadow is going to show up in that in that culture somehow. So let's just take that example of the, the affirmer shadow fear of rejection. Not it, it, it may be that you don't have the other shadows show up. You know, you can sort of work on those together as a team and 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 um, mitigate the impact. Um, because taking a step back, the 
culture is influenced by, most importantly, the leader's leadership style, including the incidence of shadow experiences, the um, actualized leader profiles and self-actualization of team members, and then outside circumstances. So obviously over the last two and a half years, we've had extraordinarily difficult circumstances with the pandemic. It's caused organizations and people to have to be really agile. One of the things that happens is that processes have just broken down. So now nobody understands like, is this still a process? Is this our new process? What, what, how, how do we do the work now? My experience so far is that unless the leader really embraces making change in their own self-actualization, that that the culture can improve, but it won't be where the leader wants it. So it can improve, but a culture is likely to be most positive if the leadership is actively engaging in finding a way to be self-actualized. Exactly. So I just want to ask one more question on the culture. And I've seen the survey and in talking with leaders of different organizations, I hear this one all the time. And even from those that I think are really great leaders, like I know this gentleman that I'm in a group with, who I would say is probably one of the best natural leaders that I've ever met. But yet he was sharing a story where they did a culture survey. And despite the fact he thinks he's doing all these great leader using these leadership tools, expresses gratitude, things like that. The culture survey indicated that there were employees, they liked working there, they liked the environment, but they didn't feel valued. And that seems to be a common theme in some of the culture surveys that I've listened to various leaders talking about. So I'm just wondering in terms of it, and that might not be just leadership, it might be a little bit different issue, but I just wanted to ask quickly, to the extent you have people not feeling valued, is there a strategy uh, yeah, most definitely. Um, I mean, the first thing is to ask what would, you know, I say I value you, but I want to know how you would like my gratitude expressed. And because sometimes in the interesting comment I've heard is in one story I was told the guy, the leader had raised a person's pay three times in a year, but the employee didn't feel valued. He's thinking, why well, I gave you three raises in a year. Right. How do you not feel valued? But what that employee wanted was a thank you at the end of the week. And that was more important to that particular person than the paycheck, which, you know, for me, it's like, oh, it's, you know, a lot of us, I think, in leadership roles, assume that everybody's about the paycheck and forget that those thank yous and all those other things really matter. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, any last thoughts today, Anne? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Um I know that some cultures are um, are really struggling. That's one of the reasons I'm busy. Um, but all of these leadership and cultural challenges are surmountable. I mean, it takes commitment, it takes support, and it takes a willingness to be vulnerable and look and look at one's own role. But it's completely doable. And as I as I like to say at the end of my articles, you've got this. You can do it. And we decided we were going to do one additional follow-up episode on how a great, how somebody can be a great leader on a bad day. And we thought it's been such a challenge for so many people through not just the pandemic, but we've had war, political unrest, and everybody's had stuff going on in their personal life. It's just been a period of time where a lot of people are exhausted, fatigued, burnouts up. We've had the great American resignation. People are changing jobs, feeling comfortable doing that, which is a really you know, good in some ways and challenging as an employer. And so for employers, the good thing about it, in my mind, is that employers are really looking at 
culture, and we decided it might be helpful to add one additional episode that talks about how you can become a great leader and do that even on your bad days. So thanks for joining me again today, Anne. And as we just reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.